Up next on Inside the SCCA, a June Sprints preview. And welcome to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky. Today we're talking our final Super Tour of 2023. Rounds 19 and 20 coming up this weekend at the beautiful Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's Kettle Moraine Forest. My guest this week is none other than John Wickert. John joins us here today from Illinois, right? Ah, uh, Wisconsin. Janesville, Wisconsin. Janesville. Janesville. That was the mall I used to go to, Jonathan. <laughs> I, so I grew up I grew up just east of you, uh, near Lake Geneva. You're probably mm-hmm. close enough that you've probably heard of Elkhorn. Yes. And uh, we had two choices as a kid. Now, this is a big time. This is like the 1980s. So there was no internet. Um, we had an Atari. Um, I think we had the big beta uh, videotape machine. Um, we had, we did not have cable TV because I grew up in the country. Um, and so we, 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 we went to the mall, but we had to in either Janesville. go all, all the way to Milwaukee or to Janesville. Cause we were right in the middle of the two. There was no mall. Uh, our big shopping store was the value village. We didn't even have a Shopco or a Walmart or anything like that. So, so we went to the mall in Janesville, and there was an RC shop in Janesville that I spent a lot of time and money at. I don't know <laughs> if it's still there in downtown Janesville, but uh, no, it's gone. It's yeah, gone. yeah. So in Janesville, you are twenty-five minutes from Blackhawk Farms, right? Yes. Yep. Because uh, Jane, uh, that's in just south of Beloit, in I believe it's Rockton, Illinois. I'm I'm testing myself now. It's been a long time. And um, and then, of course, in Janesville, you're probably, what, an hour 45 from Road America if there's no real traffic? Yeah, yeah, about that, yep. And um, so Road America is your home track, one of them. Yeah, that, that's the track that I, I grew up next to Road America. So, right. Right. You, you know, you, you want to talk June sprints. To me, that's a homecoming. Yeah. Um, going to that track. So I, I'm super excited for this race. I, I bet you are. Have you done the sprints yet? Yes, last year was my first ever sprints, and let me tell you, coming from you know running divisionals to stepping stepping up to a Hoosier Super Tour weekend, um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's intense, but yeah. it's a lot of fun. So before we get to all of that, and you've been on the show before, right? Yeah, talking C spec. That's right. That's right. So I don't know if we had the opportunity to go into the whole story time at the start of that show like I normally do, because I know it was you and it was Frank, right? Right. So let's, uh, and even if we did, let's do it again, because this is one of my favorite parts of the show. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started in racing. Yeah, I, you know, I was lucky enough, like I said, to live right next to Road America. And so ever since I was five years old, my dad was taking me out to the June sprints and IndyCar weekends, right, at Road America. So I was familiar with SCCA from a young age. And um, when I got into college, I decided I wanted to get more involved. And uh, there was a guy that uh, had posted something online. He owned a spec racer Ford, and I was familiar familiar with what those cars were. And uh, he actually had a spelling mistake. He spelled Marine Corps wrong. 
And I said, <laughs> hey, you, you know, you forgot to ask, man. You got to put that on there. Oh, um, so it's Green and, Corp? Yeah. Like yeah. it was a business? <laughs> yeah. And um, I was living in Columbia, Missouri at the time. And uh, he said, hey, do you know anything about these Spec Racer Fords? I just bought one. And I said, yeah, actually, I do. Um, he said, well, can you help me out? And I said, sure. And that, so I drove that coming weekend two hours to meet him in St. Louis. And then we went up to Gingerman in Michigan. Sure. Uh, you know, and that was my first weekend at the time. And my girlfriend at the time said, wait, wait, you're going to go to Michigan with a guy you've never met before. <laughs> so you can work on race cars. And I said, yeah. Sounds perfectly logical to me. Right. Right. And uh, that spawned a, a great friendship, which allowed me to work on spec racer Fords and FD cars. And, uh, and, and that got my foot in the door. And then from there, it was just got to the point where it's like, okay, it's time for me to have my own car. Right. And right. then put a car together. So, but you were involved before that, right? What was the first first? I mean, let's go, the, let's take the Wayback Machine. As far as, I mean, I wasn't um, involved in like SCCA per se. I, I was a spectator for a number of years. Right. Until my, my first racing was only three years ago. Okay. But your first time at the track was, was the June Sprints? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as a spectator, and yep. then my first time racing was was Blackhawk Farms, which I've raced a lot. Got it. Then. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And uh, the first time at the sprints, how old were you? Oh, uh, what was I like? Forty. Oh, <laughs> no, no, not, ra <laughs> not not racing oh, as, as, a as a spectator. That first like first five. time. Okay. Yeah, okay. Five. So as a five year old little 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 munchkin going to the June sprints, what year might that have been? Uh, 86. 86. You know, it's funny. I might have been at that June Sprints. <laughs> I was definitely there in 87. His dad got back into a car in 86. By the way, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, especially, not especially, but uh, those of us who have fathers who got us into this crazy thing. Um, we, we, should, uh, we should say a, a shout out to them, whether they're here or whether they're not with us anymore. Um, happy yeah. Father's Day. Uh, so, so my dad got back into racing in '86. Um, had a had a heart a heart episode, and the doctor said um, you need to get a hobby. <laughs> so, <laughs> so dad showed up six months later after getting a clean bill of health with the SECA medical form, and asked for his cardiologist to fill it out. <laughs> yeah, and the cardiologist, exactly. The cardiologist was like, I was thinking like maybe chess golf, <laughs> golf. <laughs> um but if you think this will help you relax then i will sign off because you're you're healthy to do it and uh, my dad had raced back in the 60s in h production and a bunch of other stuff but uh, he just gotten back in after many many years off and uh started one season in formula v and decided he wanted fenders uh and he bought back then it was a sports renault so the first, first generation of the Spec Racer Ford before it was even a Ford. Um, and we went in 87 and 88 for sure in that car. And uh, we had uh, the first year there were 86 sports Renaults. And uh, dad started like, like 65th. And um, this was before anybody had cameras. And uh, he, he was 24th before he got to the start stand on the first lap. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to suggest that there was any illegality going on there for that to happen. Uh but apparently he went right up the center. <laughs> he just got a really good draft uh, up the hill. Exactly, <laughs> up the hill of course, right. A, a great draft up the hill. I don't know how that worked. Let's just say right, right. 
Let's just say it happened and there were no cameras to dispute it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was our first trip to the sprints. And so as a five-year-old with, with probably five, 400 cars, 500 cars at the June sprints, what kind of overload sensory experience was that? I mean, just, just the sounds yeah. and, you know, and the smell and everything. And our favorite place was always the outside of turn five, right. you know, um, as it's coming from four. In sure. fact, our, we, we uh, sprinkled my father's ashes there mm. after he passed away. Yeah. And I hope to be laid to rest there myself. Nice. <laughs> uh, so we were fence jockeys and, and for, man, to see them come over the hill and that, you know, Brian, you'll know. That's before all the fencing, the jersey yep. barriers. I mean, it was just the steel Armco barrier. That was it, nothing else. And, um, you know, my mom still re reminds me of uh, when she started flagging uh, a few events there before uh, I came along. It was just hay bales. She said, it was just hay bales. We just had hay bales. Yeah. And, and did you just kind of do the whole barbecue hangout for the weekend thing? Yeah, well, it's, it's, we live 15 minutes away, so oh, we just sure, sure. in the morning and bring, um, we always did chicken sandwiches. I don't know why, grilled chicken sandwiches on the grill every single weekend. Um, and we just go back to the car, grill for lunch, and then go back and watch various uh, spots. My, my favorite, aside from the racing, was afterwards, we'd go back to the car, and my dad and his buddies would, you know, have a soda or a drink of some type, and... Uh, my twin brother and I would go around and pick up all the cans we could. And man, we'd make a haul. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> we'd make some money and make friends. You know, it was, it was a cool place to hang out. Nice. Nice. And then, you, so you guys basically did that every year? Yeah, every year that I could. I think one of the first years I missed was probably when I was in Iraq fighting the war. Sure. Um, other sure. than that, I was going. And, uh, and which, were you in the Marine Corps in Iraq? Yep. Very good. Very good. Thank you for your service, by the way. Um, uh, and then you come back, you get, you get life going and, and at 40 years old, you start going back and getting into it again. Right. Yeah. And at 40 years old, I was just kind of like, this needs to happen. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I, I want to start doing, and, and that was the plan. So, so did you talk about it for 20 years? Yeah. I mean, really did with my brother and just like, we should really do this. We should really do this. And. You know, we, we had some misconceptions of the SCCA, like, oh, you had to go to the, a school was really expensive. And, right. you know, we didn't fully understand just the process to get in. But once I had, you know, met people and, and got into the network and realized, oh, no, you just go to this driver school, you know, get a car, just go to driver school and go have fun. Right. I right. Make it sound that simple. but <laughs> So when you came back, um, was that the point where you'd need, you, you just needed the one school to get going? Yeah, it was just the one school. Okay. Yeah. So when I started out, you had to have two schools, and then you had to do your two regionals, uh, just to get your just to get your regional license, and then you had to do four more regionals before you could even go to the June sprints. So you had to have two schools and six races before you could go do a national. Um, yeah. Lots of things have changed, um, and uh, I know there are some old school graybeards who don't think it's better. Um, but I got to tell you, I've seen lots of racing in the last 10, 10 years since things started to become a little easier to get your path to a license. And I haven't seen anything dramatic from, you know, poor driving, dangerous driving, um, from, from, from new people. I actually seem to feel like I see more dramatic things from the veterans who <laughs> 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 think they know everything and don't always pay attention to the rules. So, um, and, uh, 
a little known fact, you can actually do a time trial event as one of your required sign-offs. Is it you that put that on the Facebook today, this week? Yeah, I was uh, uh, helping another guy get signed off, and it was just more financially economical for him to go do the time trial, SCCA time trial, uh, and, and get signed off. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you use in a time trial. You know, we use the same flags. We use, you know, can we, we can use the same cars. So, um, you know, and getting out there and getting on the weekend and all of that kind of stuff is, is fairly, um, uh, you know, one for one. Obviously, there's not the same wheel-to-wheel danger, I guess, that you would have from doing, um, from doing a regular race. But, uh, but yes, I, I think there's... Is I'm all for whatever because I I spend a lot of time with other racing series, uh, one of which in particular doesn't require any schools for you to get started, and uh, and that's Champ Car. And yep. um, I've watched a lot of Champ Car racing over the last two years since I started working with those folks, and um, I, I don't see anything that's really stopping people from getting out there, you know, uh, with, with some good um, book training, you know, o- online training. Uh, they have a pretty good system, and they have a you know a, a school before um, before each race weekend, or that you can for, for novices you have to hook up on a Friday and get get a little education. But, um, but yeah, you know I think um, I haven't seen a whole lot of issues with making it easier to get a license and get on track. So um, that's all a good thing. So so now you started in Spec Racer Ford, or did you go right to B Spec? Uh- I, I was only helping out. I was Got only it. wrenching on the spec racer Fords and the FB cars. I actually initially bought a Formula V car. Okay. Um, and I, I bought it for like five grand, and I ended up dumping like another five grand into it just to get it um, on the road. And long story short, took it to my first driver school, and, and the motor let go mm. after about the third session. But <laughs> I didn't even get like three solid sessions. Like I had first session out, things were breaking on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was just a battle. And once that motor let go, I thought I looked into it and I called Chris Cox and, you know, uh, engine build, talked to some engine builders and realized, you know, it'll take about close to 10 grand for me to put together a nationally competitive motor. And I knew at that time I could build a B spec car for that much. Right. Right. So I just, I put a motor back together from Chris Cox and, uh, and sold it to, um, Graham Smith, who is now, uh, just went to driver school this year at Blackhawk, and I got to see him do it in that car. Oh, and that's he's, cool. And he's raced the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Young guy, a, a music teacher out of Kansas City area. So it's just really cool to see some young guy come in with that car and make it work. He's put a lot of time into it. Yeah. I always tell people who don't have maybe a ton of mechanical knowledge, uh, might be just, you know, love cars or want to get involved, that the absolute worst thing you can do <laughs> to go to driver school is to go in your own car. You know, it's so much better to spend a little bit more money, rent a car for the weekend with someone who knows that car and how to make it work, someone who can take care of making sure you are strapped in properly before every session, and if a wheel bearing breaks, they have to fix it and you don't. Um, Yeah. And in a Formula V, especially if you still have drum brakes on it, there's a little bit of little little something you got to do between every session. And yeah. the last thing you want to do is have to work on your car between sessions if you're in school. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think actually the, the Spec Racer Ford's a great platform to rent from one of our CSRs to go to driver's school in. Um, is th- that's their expertise to get out there and get you on the racetrack. So, um, yeah. 
So that was what, two years ago, you said, or three years ago? Yeah, that, that was 19. And okay. Then I took 20 off and 21, I came back with the B spec car uh, that I built uh, from a 18,000 mile donor car. Yeah. Uh, that you could get pre pandemic for a good price. <laughs> sure. Sure. And what was that car again? So that's the 2012 Chevy Sonic. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I, so there's what, six or seven potential cars in B spec? You've got the, the Mini, the Mazda 2, the Chevy Sonic, the um, uh, the Honda Fit. Um, is there a Toyota? Yep, the, yeah, the Toyota Yaris. What made you pick the Sonic? Is it just you found that that was a donor car you found? Uh, I was between the Sonic and the Honda Fit, um, and um, I was more I was more familiar with the Chevy platform already because I had Chevy trucks and whatnot. And then I found out that they had, you know, with HP Tuner, you can modify the tune yourself, and um, parts were were a good price point. And so I picked the Sonic over that. And GM also has a build manual for the Sonic with a lot of information in it. Um, and we have it on our Facebook page, our B-Spec Racing Facebook page, for anybody to use. And um, so it's know, they even have, yeah, it's a build manual for a B-Spec Sonic. Yeah. Wow. Uh, GM came out with their own suspension kit. Just so did so did a Honda, but right. GM really put a lot of time. It's a Sax suspension kit. Okay. Um, and and the the struts and, and whatnot are actually for a Ford Mustang, um, but they put that kit together and uh, it is really nice kit. It's no longer like point click buy available. You know, it's kind of the parts have run out, but. Uh, my brother and I have taken the time to build a Chevy Sonic with a B14, which is what I race. Okay. Um, and my entire build sheet with links and everything where you can click and get everything you need is on our on that Facebook page. Um, and I even shared a real basic tune to help uh, people get started. They can load the tune themselves and go racing. Sure, sure. Do most of, is there a similar thing for most of the cars that could run in B-Spec? So there, there should be like we have them from the mini because of Frank Schwartz put it together, right? And we just need to get some guys like if you're running a Honda Fit, I'd love to talk to you yep. <laughs> and and put them together. Um, and, but yeah, they're really you know it's get a B14 on there somehow. Um, you know, get the right tires, change out your brake lines, get the brake pads, right. you know, simple things like that. Yeah, because B specs one of the classes I'm considering um, talking about getting into, um, and I I. I would do it in a Honda because I'm a Honda guy. Just that's what I I got a Honda on the wall here. That's an ITB car, and uh, that was my dad's. And then I built a Honda Civic and ITC, and I just you know even the cars from back in eighty eighty six eighty seven eighty eight. If you right up to the Civics today, there's still so much in common as far as how they work, where the yep. parts are, um, and and it's just it's what I know. You know, it's I, I don't have to go buy a whole bunch of new tools because I still have the tools, the right stuff to work on them. Uh, so if I go that route, it'll be with a Honda Fit. I actually have a Honda Fit in the garage. Um, it's a, a manual, or it's a, it's an automatic. So um, I would have to probably find a whole different car to do it. But anyway, that's one of the cars I'm, I'm considering getting into. Um, also considering this new, I'll, I'll diverge for a second, um, because they made a big announcement this week, the SCCA. Um, they're taking a member input on this new potential buy one car and race it in almost everything except for road racing. Um, the idea is going to be to have a spec class of some sort. 
and um, where you can do it solo and road rally and rally cross and time trial and um, I'm sure I'm missing a discipline somewhere. Right. Um, but um, um, but yeah, so uh, that's something that's really exciting to me. I'm going to do a podcast on it next week um, to to learn some more about it, see what it's all about. So if if you're interested or even not, if you're not interested, um, there's a survey secca.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes, and uh, it's your chance to weigh in and, and give your thoughts on on how to do whatever it is they want to do there. And uh, but I love the idea of having a car that you can do all that stuff with. And it's those types of things that I think are exciting about uh, you know at least thinking about other ways to get people to go out and have fun with cars. Yeah, I think that's a great way to go. I mean, I've done it with my B spec car, doing uh, enduro racing and whatnot, and you could. I mean, you, I could do autocross, and so um, I yeah. love that idea. That's great. Yeah, I think that the the one thing that they're trying to do is to have it so you can actually drive it to all the events um, to save money on the process, because you know that's a big a big portion of a lot of people's pay you know bill is either the, the gas for the tow vehicle, but then you have to have the tow vehicle and something to tow yeah. the car with, um, which is why they're they're not looking at the best I can tell making it a road racing class. Because you really don't want to drive around a car with a full cage on a street cor- on the street, um, and uh, there's a that's a whole nother topic for a whole other day. <laughs> you will see you'll you'll probably see a B spec car on the street uh, at the June sprints. Uh, but like I said, we live so close. My brother, he's just going to drive. Okay. Okay. So he's your brother for his car. So your brother also runs in B spec. Yep, and he's got a Chevy Sonic as well. So how many Sonics are there running around the country? You have all all two of them? <laughs> no, no, there's a few more. There, I would say we're about maybe twelve. Okay. Um, the Sonic's been been slow to on the uptake just because uh, for a while the GM kit wasn't available, and it took me quite a bit of work to adapt the B14 to the Sonic. Okay. I uh, ended up using a Cruise B14, um, which that led to a rules change, which I think is a good idea. Um, which, by the way, uh, if you like or don't like something in SCCA, get involved in the rulemaking process. Um, I had never done anything like that before at SCCA. I wrote the letter. Apparently, there's a lot of discussion, but good things came from it. So, uh, nice. you know, give it a shot. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of areas. That's actually a podcast I want to do is is get with somebody with the solo or with the competition board and talk about the process. Um, you know. I think part of the problem is that everybody thinks that when they write the letter that they're the thing's going to get approved, <laughs> and when it doesn't, they they get frustrated and they complain. Um, and I get that you want what you want. You wouldn't go through the time to write the letter if you didn't. Um, but you know, just because you think it's a good idea doesn't mean everyone else does. Um, and again, we're in a club and it's hard to make everybody happy, which is um, no, it's impossible to make everybody happy, but. Um, you know, there's a whole process. So we're going to do a podcast on that uh, coming up here, maybe in the off season, uh, if there really is an off season anymore. But uh, all right, so we got you here. To talk about Road America. Talk about the June sprints. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. 
Terms apply. We got you here to talk about Road America. Talk about the June Sprints. Um, your home track. Um, you've been there last year and uh, and did the sprints last year. And uh, it is, if you haven't been there, I mean, everybody, I, I would assume everybody who is watching or listening knows where Road America is, knows what Road America is. Um, it is one of the coolest places in the world. Um, it's it's been part of pro racing for a long time. So IndyCar has been there and NASCAR has been there. So we've all seen it on TV if we haven't been there in person. But there are some some interesting parts of that racetrack and something really new, which you are one of the few people out there who've had a chance to experience it already. Uh, they, they, did they resurface the whole track? Yes, they resurfaced the whole track. And and when um, did they do that? During this off season, okay. and they were done by uh, October because they have to shut down the asphalt uh, companies. You know, they shut down right. the furnaces; it gets so cold. So, yeah, yeah, we don't have that problem in California. <laughs> <laughs> we and have you a hard can watch it. You could watch it get repaved. They they broadcast the whole thing. Oh, cool! Is that still on YouTube somewhere? I, I'm sure it is. Yeah. You just Google it around and, and find it, but. Um, all new asphalt, but that's not the only thing. So we got new asphalt, um, and in a, in a number of places, we have new curbing or like Billy Mitchell Bend, no curbing, uh, which I thought when I was there for the track day, I thought that was really fun. I really attacked that just right. to see what it'd be like to run way up in there. Um, and they've also got uh, new lights on pit lane. I mean, actually lights okay. all over the place on pit lane. So I don't know if that's foreshadowing of what's to come. Sure. Um, and uh, more PA sound system. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. I mean, that's, a, that's the bane of most racetracks is the PA system <laughs> rarely works. Trust me, as, the, as an announcer, I'm very, very familiar with that issue. Um, that's cool. That's cool. Now, Billy Mitchell Turn, which, mm -hmm. for those who don't know the names, w which one is that? So that's uh, 13 going to, going, to, going to the last corner. It's that little bend yep. to the left. There used to be a bridge there called Billy Mitchell Bridge. Yep. It was a... A walkover bridge, um, and it really made that bend quite daunting because that uh, the concrete was right there on both sides of the track. And you know, when I think about that, I think about the late Scott Reddick, uh, who won in his spec racer Ford, hit that concrete. Wow! Ended up going off drivers right there and hitting it. Right, right. That's a that's a ten. I, I would not want to do that. Would not no. want to do that. Um, so, has the character of Road America changed with the paving? No, I mean there there are some small things. For example, going into six, that rise, it used to be a little bit more pronounced. Okay. It's a little bit less now. Oh. Um yeah, it's not such a big, you know, you don't feel it as much going over. Yeah, because when you went over it, it was almost like there was an immediate dip going down. And if you were in a car that was fast enough to be fast, it would you kind of almost yeah. lose your stomach when you came over the top of that. Yeah, yeah. Um they've they've changed it out. Okay. They've added asphalt to driver's right, I believe is how it was. And then it kind of makes a jog to the left. Uh, and then you're, the blend line is straight down to the apex. Okay. So this weekend, IndyCar is there. So for Father's Day, tell you know tell everybody in the household you're watching IndyCar this weekend. And okay. uh, you get a good view of it. And um, so are you supposed to stay all the way to the end of the blend line before you come in? Yeah. So you're, you're going to be driver's right all the way to the apex. Interesting. Interesting. How hard how hard do you think that's going to be if you've got upcoming traffic to come through there? 
Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, especially with wider, bigger cars. You yeah. Know, if you think of like GT cars, um, it'll be interesting to and, and the speed differential that you're going to see sure. coming in there. So. Yeah, because if you're you're in a GT car or a Formula Atlantic, you're coming up to that apex at probably 180, you know, or in a Formula Atlantic, and you're probably doing 150 in a GT GT1 car. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a whole lot more than you're going to be doing if you're coming out of pit lane. So, um, that's and you mentioned Formula Atlantics; they've got 22 entries registered for that, so that's going to be one heck of a race. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, you've got, you sent me some video, and I'm going to play that, or at least I'm going to try to here. We'll just talk while we're looking at at uh, at the video here. Um, and uh, the video that we're seeing uh, is is that starting off coming up the up the hill. Yeah, so it, it should be up the hill on the start. Uh, the initial start was waved off. Okay. I, I never really figured out why. I think somebody stepped out early. Uh, so it's our second start, lap one, getting into it. All right, so uh, we'll just let this kind of play here, and um, I can actually do a little bit of play-by-play. Maybe that might be the best way to do it here. Um, and uh, it looks like uh, oh, we're coming up under the Speedville Bridge here. So um, that's uh, that's coming out of turn. That's coming out of turn two, right? Right. Correct. Okay. We're going so, into three. so this right here is the downhill uh, going into three. And then, um, and then it's the big downhill into turn five here. And uh, th- three is one of the three most important corners on this racetrack. Um, and oh, and I think actually turn one gets underrated too because I, I think if you screw up turn one, you're not going to hit turn three correctly. And that turn three is so important. Um, but, yeah. but to do three right and to do three fast enough, you got to do one correctly, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of room track out, sort of, uh, at one. Like, there's a lot of room there on track out, but uh, as I don't know if you saw, Scott McLaughlin posted a video from his IndyCar test. At the end of the rumble strips, there's like a little ramp there now, and he got completely airborne, and he was saying 65 feet he traveled. Um, and when I did the test day, there was a couple spec Miatas that got airborne off of that. So we'll see if it's still there at the June sprints. Not 65 feet off the ground. He was off the ground for 65 feet. <laughs> yeah, okay. <let's> clarify that. <laughs> he went full airplane otherwise. Yeah. I was, well, I mean, if you turn the Indy car upside down, you might be able to get that kind of that kind of uh, lift on it. Um, but, okay, so here we've got the cars uh, going down towards. Um, I a, a, I'm looking at this on a tiny screen, um, and I really don't want to. Uh, oh, you know what we're coming up on? We're coming up on the Billy Mitchell corner here. Um, so, yeah. You know what's still there? As you watch it, going into 14, there's a little dip there. Yep. You see where all the black marks are? Sure. That dip is still there. So for anybody that anybody that uses that as a breaking marker, okay. not saying, you know, who, uh, <laughs> it, it's still there. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So now the field here is coming through turn 14. And uh, you will see the uphill, and uh, it, from 14, the uphill doesn't really see, look like like much, right? Until you get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you should try if you if you think it's not much, try and walk it sometime if you well, don't ever go to the walking event. And and try it in a low powered car, you know, because you'll be going and you'll be making up speed, you'll be making up speed, but when you get to the hill, it just like you hold speed basically to get to the top of the hill. Yeah, and you literally, I literally have to get over the hill and closer to the start-finish line 
in order to make that shift into fourth. I've tried it earlier, hoping that, you know, maybe I get a little more grunt. No, the car just dies on its nose. Yeah. It's steep. And then once you get to the top of the hill, you start picking up speed again, and uh, you're going to move yourself over towards driver's left to get ready for turn one. Uh, turn one, not quite as daunting as it was when I was going through driver's school because now there's big gravel traps there. Um, th uh, thanks to AJ Foyt, I guess, or un unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. uh, cause AJ right, yep. probably cut his driving career short because of turn one at road America. Uh, he went yep. up there in an Indy car at 180 miles an hour and hit the berm and, uh, broke most every bone from his both knees down. Essentially. Um, yep. here we are coming through turn three here and heading onto the back, uh, onto the straight going down towards turn five. This is the fastest portion of the racetrack downhill straight away. Probably more, almost a half a mile of straightaway, right? Yeah, and it, it does something weird now. So you used to kind of, you'd be driver's left, and then it would just kind of slowly walk you driver's right. Uh -huh. But now with the new paving, pavement, you track out driver's left, it walks you driver's right, and then after the bridge, it starts to walk you back to the left again. It feels really weird in the car. A few okay. other people have mentioned that to me as well. So maybe they've changed the pitch a little bit. Uh, yeah. in the way the crown in the in the roadway. All right, here we are coming up towards turn six. This is the part that you said uh, has kind of been uh, smoothed out just a little bit, not quite as much of a dip. Uh, coming through six here, now you're going to go down down the hill. There's a right-hander um, and another a short shoot down to a left-hander before you get into the carousel. Um, and that's kind of a rhythm section, right? Yeah, and, and in our cars, you know, you got to be flat out the whole way, uh, wide entry, get down to the apex, and Eight there, that left-hander you're talking about is is absolutely crucial because in a B-spec car, we're flat out all the way through the kink to 12. Right, um, right. There's just there, you don't lift in the carousel. Any any B-spec guys that are new this year, uh, you need to know don't lift in the carousel. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and eight. Oh, if you put a, a wheel off at eight, you can get real bad there fast. So I, yeah. I don't know if that's changed with the paving. So all right, we're we're through the carousel now. Now your car is making the right-hander into the kink here. And uh, and and the first time I did that flat out was not the first time I did it. <laughs> you know, you can do it. You've been told you can do it. Um, how many laps did it take you to, before you knew you could? Your brain and your foot were simpatico there. Yeah, I was at a regional race, and it was most of that first session I lifted just breathing into it because I just wanted to play it safe. Um, and I really should listen to my brain because in the June sprints last year, um, I spun through the kink. One and a half rotations, about 77 miles an hour, and I didn't hit anything. Wow, that takes some luck or skill, probably luck. I, you know, <laughs> you I, can say skill. All I knew is <laughs> I see the near wall, I see the far wall, I see the near wall. My my hood isn't there, isn't crumpled up. I'm good to go. That's so cool. That's so cool. And that's a lap at Road America. Uh, thank you for the video, Jonathan. That was pretty awesome. And um, we'll. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, so what's your favorite part of Road America? The, the racing. We're going to talk about the other parts of Road America, the, the non-racing yeah. stuff. But what's your favorite part? So in a B-spec car, um, and a lot of these cars, is you just get a really good draft. And it allows you to pack up and to be really tight. And if you make a little mistake, you're going to lose a lot of ground. But if you run some clean corners, you can catch up to the guys in front of you and, and get real tight again. And so I'm just super excited to get wheel to wheel, to be bump drafting um, and, and make some passes. Is it, is it still the case that it's, it really, um, 
benefits the higher horsepower cars if you're in a class where the there's a horsepower to weight ratio. I know with, obviously the B spec cars are all pretty well balanced as far as that goes, but um, I, I always thought that it, it was kind of overrated whenever we said oh, high horsepower cars do well at Road America because there's enough technical there that if you have a good handling car, you can make up some room there, right? Well, and that's the thing. You know, you look at Road America and you say, okay, well, that's just a left turn, that's just a right turn. But those straightaways, I mean, almost every turn goes to a straightaway, right? Right. Um, any little mistake coming out of that corner, and you're going to pay for it yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you just can't make mistakes. Yeah, and it's it's it does definitely have a risk-reward, too, because um, to, to pass anywhere at Road America is essentially choosing to make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're getting offline. Yeah, you're getting offline, and and it, the the straightaways are are significant enough that the the pass repass at Road America is probably the the most the place where I've seen that happen the most. Where you know you, you might be able to make the move, but you're immediately back behind the guy who you pass because they're taking the proper line and they're able to get through. And there's no another. There, there's not a place where there's really another corner where you can just make it kind of work. Right. You don't have that quick S to kind of shut off the, the counterattack. Exactly. So you really got to be ready for that. Exactly. So, um, so uh, let's talk about a little bit of the non-racing stuff at Road America. Um, bratwurst. Come on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the gearbox. The gearbox. Is that what it's called now? That sound. It's that sandwich. Yeah. Okay. Up in the gearbox. Okay. Okay, so is that um, so? They used to have the two stands, one right at the top of the hill, going up to the main paddock, and then one up by the pagoda. They still have both those stands there. Yep, both of them are still there. Yep, and it's it's no longer St. John the Baptist running them though, right? No, and I forget who has it now. Yeah, yeah, I remember used to get used to get my my, my double brat, and um, and uh, that was always the highlight of the weekend. Uh, and of course, there's the legendary Seepkins. You know, uh, which uh, yeah. if you if you can get there, Seepkins is fun to go to on a big weekend, but it's it's usually a zoo. Um, yes. If you ever get a chance to go up for like the Cat Nationals or or one of the one of the not quite big event events, that's the best time to go to Seepkins because you can kind of look around. There's less people there. Or even if you can get up there, not on a race weekend, go for lunch on a Tuesday. Hey. If if I'm picking a weekend, like I love the June sprints and I go sure. I go every time, but if I'm going to pick a weekend, it's going to be the Brian Redmond Challenge. Yes, um, and that not only is it vintage, but then they do the parade into town. They park the cars in the streets. Everybody's selling alcohol and drinks and food right there on the streets, so right. you can look at these really nice cars, have a drink. And there's bands everywhere, so if you want to go to Seepkins, that's a good time. Yeah, I'm going to do a whole podcast on Brian Redmond's cat. Yeah, <laughs> this June sprints. Go see Brian Redmond's cat's grave, right? Which is yeah. in the the inside of the carousel, right? Yes, and um, when you go out there, you now will see a beach and palm trees. Oh, and don't they have like beach volleyball there now too? Yeah. I heard. Yeah. So for anybody that doesn't know, the carousel portion that's an old rock quarry. Okay. And in fact. On the outside of turn three, there still is a rock quarry there. So it's all desolate and rock and kind of, right. and so they did something kind of funny with it and <laughs> made it like a beach with palm trees. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, 
And they've done a lot of other things. Now you can spectate from like the out the driver's right uh, going through the kink, right? Yes. Yep. And driver's left through the carousel. Okay. Yeah, those are all kind of add-ons that have been there over the last. I don't know when they made those. It's been a long time since I've been back, folks. And I uh, so a, a lot of my references are from back in the early '90s. I think was the last time I got to North America. Um, and uh, I haven't had a chance to get back, but uh, I'm going back next year. You know why? Yeah, I bet I do runoffs. The runoffs are going to be there next year. So um, that's going to be fun, especially with the repaving and um, and to get into a more central location in the country. Um, yeah. Probably get a lot more West Coasters to possibly make the, 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 the trip out this year. Um, and, and when you put it at one of those tracks, it's a destination bucket list track. Uh, it tends to get, at least for the first year, you tend to get some pretty good numbers. They, and to all the drivers that might be listening to this, they rolled that asphalt so smooth that there used to be a seam in the middle of the carousel that I would use to mark where I was, you know, line my car up. That seam is gone. Okay. They rolled it out smooth. And I was like, where is my seam? <laughs> <laughs> I expected it to be there. Are there any other normal points that you might use as a turn-in reference point or a braking reference point uh, that those of us from the past who haven't been there before the paving, um, do, do we really need to be careful the first couple of laps to reestablish and reorient ourselves? Well, if you're like me and you didn't use a, a number board or something for the kink for your turn-in point, you know, there was always the black marks, that whole line of black marks, and I knew right there's where I turned in. Those are gone. Yeah. Um, so set a new reference point for the kink. And I would guess people might need to think about all new breaking points because you might end up at the end of some of these long straightaways a whole lot faster than you were before because I hear that there's a very good chance that we might set 27 lap records there next weekend. Yeah, when I drove it, it was cold in the morning and it didn't have a lot of grip, but it was warming up in the afternoon and the grip started to come in. And the vintage weekend that just happened, they set new records and we'll see at Indy that they might set a new lap record. Yeah. So, all right, what else do we need it's to know? Cool, it is really cool. Yeah. What else do we need to know? Um, uh, well, uh, they do have some new, and, and for drivers and people, they do have some new uh, flagging communication lights that I saw. Okay. Unless I just wasn't used to seeing them. I know going into five, there was one. Um, so they've added a few of those. You know, I don't know if they're going to be operational. Sure. Um, but uh, there's yeah. those as well. All right. Anything else? Um, if you're in the area that you think people should think about, if they're making a, a, a long weekend out of it, um, uh, you know, outside of the track stuff, I know you know American Club there is 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 a place where a lot of people stay in Kohler. Um, there's some if you like golf, there's some fantastic golf in that area. Um, lots of stuff to do, even if you don't want to be at the racetrack for you know three or four straight days. Yeah, and if you're looking to maybe just get away from it, uh, Terry Andre State Park is there, and it has huge sand dunes. I know a lot of people like to come up and and hike those as well, um, so you can kind of go relax. Of course, Lake Michigan right there. It's got a great North Beach. Yep. Uh, if you're looking to cool off from the heat, hopefully we have good, good, nice, warm weather. Yeah. You you've had some. How, how's how's the smoke? Have you guys had any problems with the wildfires? No, I haven't noticed anything. So. Okay, good. Good, I don't good. think it's coming down too far. Got it. Got it. Got it. 
All right. Is there are anything else exciting that we should be uh, we should be thinking about here? I think we're pretty much covered it all, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there are. Um, I think there's some great races. Like I said, Formula Atlantic, they've got good entries. Um, uh, Spec Miata as well. Spec Racer Ford, obviously, good entries. Um, there's a lot of classes that I was really surprised had have some good entries this coming weekend. So I really think we're set up for some good racing. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so I want to let folks know, um, obviously, the uh, Super Tour is going to be on the uh, Super Tour live stream coverage. will be there like it's been all year long. Uh, it'll be Greg Ginsburg and myself will be doing that. And um, uh, we're going to have all that coverage. We'll have coverage of Friday's qual- and it's Yeah, it's Friday's qualifying. It's a three-day event. Um, and then the race is on Saturday and Sunday. So we'll have a regular Super Tour schedule for that. Uh, also want to let folks know we're going to do a special podcast next week on this new Spec Club idea that's being uh that's being talked about in the survey and i think we're going to do it on monday but uh what you got to do is you got to like and subscribe to the channel and um and we're going to put out the notice and uh, you'll get that information if you like and subscribe and hit the bell uh you'll be alerted when we do that podcast so i'm thinking monday night at the normal time which would be uh nine o'clock eastern six o'clock uh six o'clock here on the, on the pacific coast um so keep an eye out for that uh, and then, uh, and then next week on our Wednesday podcast, uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to have our, the second edition of our 50th anniversary solo nationals series that we're doing, and uh, that's going to be a pretty special one as well. So, got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Jonathan, thank you uh, for being with us tonight, and uh, I look forward to calling your race next weekend, and uh, that should be a ton of fun. And uh, we will reconnect uh, soon, I am sure. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Inside the SECA. If you like what you are seeing and hearing, subscribe to both the Racing Wire Podcast Network and the Racing Network on YouTube uh, so you can get all the information about all the upcoming episodes. And uh, we'll make sure we get that all to you. And uh, that will be the way that you find out about that. Uh, Also be great if you leave a comment, especially a good one. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is. And leave a question on Twitter. It's RacingWire.net. There is a new Inside the SCCA every week on Wednesdays on YouTube. Fridays on the podcast channel. I'm Brian Belansky. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. Have fun and go play with cars. I'm Abby Shear. And when I'm on my way to an autocross, I listen to the Inside the SCCA podcast. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire podcast network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with endorsed or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.